So today is the last sermon in our series, Recreated. Now throughout this series, uh, we've been talking about God's new creation and about what he's up to every day. And we're, we're ending today with what I think is an incredible passage of scripture. Now you hear me say a lot that one passage or another is, is one of my favorites. I, I have a lot of favorites. Some people have, don't really choose favorites. Some people have one. I'm someone who has a lot of them. But today, uh, this passage is, is very special to me. And it's special for a lot of reasons. There, there may not be another chapter in the New Testament that both sums up the gospel and how it affects our lives as well as 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And in this one chapter, the Apostle Paul teaches us about Jesus, about our salvation, about what God is up to every day, and about our response to all of that, and even more, about the promises we have in the future, because we belong to God. It's one of those chapters that you can read through and, and not be struck by it. Nothing necessarily jumps out, but if you go back and you look closely and you take your time, you can, you can never get to the bottom or the end of it. I thought a lot about what it would look like to try to boil everything down, to one sentence, a single-sentence sermon summary, right? And the best I could come up with is this. Every part of our relationship with God is because of Him, and it's for Him. One more time. Every part of our relationship with God is because of Him, and it's for Him. So it's all because of God. I remember the first moment I was ever asked to take anything like a pastoral role over any group. And it was while I was here as an intern at Calvary, and Pastor Dave asked me to leave the junior high ministry. I think it was kind of a logical choice, because I, at that time, had spent a lot of time teaching young people martial arts and young people Sunday school, and, and was pretty comfortable with that age group. And so he asked me to take leadership over the junior hires, and I was excited. There was a big group of them at the time, and they were just this really wonderful, remarkable group of junior high students. But I remember that night, uh, the night after, or the night he'd asked me to, to step into that role, and I'd said yes. I couldn't sleep, and I wasn't really sure why. I wasn't really sure what was going on, but but there was something uneasy inside of me, and, and I couldn't rest. And so I came actually back here late that night, and, and I stayed for a while, and I was, I was writing in my journal just trying to figure out what was going on, what was I uneasy about. On one hand, I was excited. Something just, just felt right. It was one of those times when, when something happens, and you just know, you just, you just know that this is where God has been leading you for some time. This is the path that God has set you on, and the moment has come, and it's a God thing. And there was that. That was happening. But at the same time, I had a terrible sense of panic, and it wasn't just because of the particular group of junior high students. I think I, I felt so much anxiety because... I was being given the responsibility for pastoring someone else. 
The problem with that was that I knew myself pretty well. And uh, uh, I'm a pretty terrible pastor of myself. Especially at that time as I looked at my spiritual life and I thought, you know, I'm kind of a mess. I'm 24, not now, then, right, in case you're surprised by that. What in the world do I at 24 know about spiritual leadership of anyone? And it was like this great burden had just sort of settled onto my shoulders. I mean, who was I to be in charge of leading someone else closer to Jesus? And so I titled the entry in my journal that night, God Must Be Crazy. I did. I still have it. And, and I wrote and tried to figure out exactly what the, the bottom of this was. And I was getting all these, these thoughts out of my head when I realized something important. You know, just because I was being asked to lead the junior high ministry did not mean that I was in charge of anyone's spiritual life. I wasn't qualified for that. I knew that. Someone who is a mess, who's 24 and doesn't, has been a Christian for a shorter period of time than some of the junior high students he's supposed to be pastoring. That person ought not be in charge of anyone's spiritual life. That's too big. In fact, to be in in charge of anyone's spiritual life, you should probably be perfect. And I knew that wasn't me, but, but some of you may already realize where I was going. I didn't yet, but, but some of you may. I wasn't in charge of anyone's spiritual life, and I realized that. I wasn't even really in charge of my own. No one's soul or relationship with God was totally my responsibility. They, don't, they didn't belong to me. They belonged to him. I don't belong to me. I belong to him. And of course, I had a role to play in, in, in my own spiritual journey and in, in pastoring others. Of course, I had a role to play, just like everyone does. And our roles are very important and our choices matter. But the lesson I learned that night, and I mean the lesson I really learned that night, was that every part of our spiritual growth, every part of our relationship with God, Every part of our transformation to be more like him, every part of it was because of him and what he's done and not because of me or what I would do. And the Apostle Paul knew all this very well. And before he he dives in to talk about our role in 2 Corinthians 5, before he talks about our job or how this should affect our lives as Christians, he reminds us who is responsible for it all. Now, these should, these should pop up on the screen behind me, along with, with verses from the chapter. If you're a rigorous note-taker and you want to mark them down, you're welcome to, or you could just read 2 Corinthians 5. But Paul takes time to remind us first that Jesus took our sin. Our relationship with God is broken because of the infection that we have, the sinful mess inside of us. We're separated from him because of it. And we're completely incapable of overcoming the enormous debt that we we owe him. And so Jesus took all of that onto himself. And Paul reminds us that Jesus died for us. The blood of a sacrifice was required because of sin. We'll all die physically. We'll all die. But 
But our death doesn't bring forgiveness because we aren't an acceptable sacrifice. But Jesus is. He died so that our guilt could be erased. And Jesus was raised for us. He overcame death and he made a way for all of us to do the same so that we who belong to God could live with him in perfect fellowship forever. Because of all that Jesus has done, or that the Father has done in and through Jesus, God forgives us. Jesus took our sins and was sacrificed. We're not accountable for them anymore. We can be forgiven. And so God declares us righteous. While we might be guilty of so much in all of us, if we really acknowledge in our hearts, we know that we've done, we've done, we've done wrong, that we're guilty. But Jesus has taken it on. God looks on us and he declares us right with him. And that's how God has reconciled us through Christ Jesus. And finally, God sends us his Holy Spirit and makes us a new creation. We may look the same and we may even feel the same, but something is fundamentally different about us. In our hearts, there's no longer this core of sin and death. It's been replaced with life. And that life will bubble up and it will spill over into every area of our lives. And it'll change us to be more and more like him. Now, throughout all of this, our choices matter. We have the ability to refuse or to resist what God has done and what God is doing. We can get in his way and we can prevent him from saving us. We can prevent him from transforming us. We, we have that power. Our choices do matter. But he's done all the work. If we cooperate with him, he'll save us, and he'll transform us, and he'll use us. And we'll become much, much more than we ever could have been on our own. He's done it. He's doing it. And he will do it. It's all because of him. And that should, that should give us a lot of comfort because if you're like me, sometimes you're kind of a mess. I'm not sure I should be always responsible for where my car keys are, let alone my eternal salvation. It's too big to be on me. I'm not capable of being perfect. I'm not capable of earning my salvation. I can't do it. So, if it was on me, I'd be in so much trouble. My eternal salvation's too important, and so God has taken care of it. And he's done that because he loves me more than I can imagine. He loves you more than you can imagine. You can think about it this way. God desires your eternal salvation more than you ever could. He wants you to be with him forever more than you do. His desire, his love, his commitment to you is overwhelming. It's unending. It's powerful. And so he's made a way. 
He's taking care of all of it in and through Jesus. And of course, we have to accept. And of course, we have to cooperate. And of course, our choices matter. But we can never fall into the trap of thinking that it's because of us. Now, we could all ask, okay, so what? God's done all of this, so what's left? If he's taking care of it, if it's all because of him, what's left? What does it mean for our lives right here, right now at Calvary Community Church? Well, it means now we live for him. Paul says here that, that we're Christ's ambassadors, and, and that may really resonate with you. If you, don't, if you don't like that word, if you don't connect to it, too much, then you can think of it this way. We're Christ's representatives. One way that this has been put to me that's been powerful, uh, Pastor Sonny used to say this, you might be the only Jesus that someone ever meets. You might be the only one that, that shares the gospel with someone. Maybe that day, no representative but you is present in someone's life. And so we're called to be that representative. We're called to share our, our, our knowledge of the gospel, our commitment to Jesus, the reason for the faith that we have. We're called to represent him to those around us. And if we're going to be his representatives, then that means, among other things, that we need to look at people through his eyes. Now, this is what Paul means when he says, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. He's talking about our calling to be Christ's representatives and the need for us to look at people through the eyes of Jesus. We need to look at people through his eyes. You know, it's so easy for us to get distracted. And we get distracted by, by what Paul calls a worldly perspective so easy. Because I can look at a person who's hard for me to love, that person who just drives me a little bit crazy. You know who I'm talking about. Maybe you know exactly who I'm talking about. You have that one person in your life. Maybe not. Maybe people in general, they just, they just kind of bug you. We can get distracted and we can see people as enemies or we can see them as obstacles that we have to overcome. But, but we're called to look at them through the eyes of Jesus to see every single person, not as an obstacle, not as an enemy, not as an irritation, but as someone who he loves so much, who's willing to die for them. We're called to see them as, as someone that he wants to speak to through us. We're called to love them the way that he would love them. To see each person as someone he loves more than we could possibly imagine. So it means we need to look at them through Jesus' eyes, but it means one more thing. Being his representatives means that we speak on his behalf. We have a message from God that we're called to give to everyone else. We're supposed to tell them, be reconciled to God. Now, 
here's what's interesting in this passage. We, we hear, be reconciled to God, and we know what that means, right? That's, that's talking about evangelism. That's talking about our being willing to say, listen, there is a God who loves you, who desires more for you. There's a God who wants to be with you forever. They love you so very much. He loves you so very much. He never wants to be apart from you. Right? It's, it's our job to tell them about Jesus and, and about his sacrifice for them. The need to accept him as their Lord and Savior. All of that is true. But there's something else that's interesting here. Paul is writing the book of 2 Corinthians to Christians. He's writing to people that already believe. And he's saying, be reconciled to God. In other words... It isn't just that we have this message that we need to share with those who don't know. It's not just a message that we share with those who don't believe. It's more than that. It's a message that we share with one another. It's not just that that those that have never known him need to come. It's that we need to continue to commit to show his love to one another, to grow and be transformed more and more into the likeness of Jesus. Our calling is to those who don't know him, and it's to those who need to know him more, and all of us fit in that second category. So what does it mean for us to be Christ's representatives? It means, among other things, that we're to speak his love, his encouragement, to one another, to not just look at those outside of the church through his, li- through his eyes, but to look at those inside of the church through his eyes, to truly be Christ to other people, to represent him in all of our relationships. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is a, a very big chapter, and I recommend giving it a read today or this week. I recommend reading it multiple times. But what I really want you to get out of it today is this. Every part of our relationship with God, it's because of Him. Yes, our choices matter. Our response matters, but it's because of Him. And we, and every part of us, and every part of our lives, is for Him. So my encouragement to you today is to know that if you're a little bit of a mess, that's okay. I know we feel like we're supposed to hide that from one another. We're supposed to pretend that we've got everything under control and everything figured out. But if you're a little bit of a mess, it's okay. If sometimes you feel like you're not very good at this following Jesus thing, the great thing of it is that it doesn't all rest on you. He's with you. He walks with you step by step. And every time you fall down, he reaches down to lift you back up. Every time you wander away and come back, he meets you with a smile and open arms. Because it all rests on him. Our job is to accept and to represent him to the people around us. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you thankful for blessings. We love you and we praise you. And we ask for you to be with us. 
Father, fill us up. Encourage us to greater love for one another. Lord, today, we pray that we would be, we would have the words to say to encourage those women in our lives that have been, have been mothers to us, have been formative to us. And Lord, we pray for all of the mothers here that they would be encouraged today to know that the love that they show to their family is a love that you have gifted them with and called them to. You're one of the ways. They're one of the ways that you love your people. Lord, we praise you. We pray all this in your son's holy and precious name. Amen.